So, Berto, it is the end of December. It's the holiday season. And I just want to kick back with my good pal, Umberto, and just do a tougher bluff ep- episode. What do you do? What do you say? What do I do? I, <laughs> I do say, yay. <laughs> this is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor, and that is tough. Who are you, Berto? My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I am a stand-up comedian trainer, and that might be tough or bluff. So for those who don't know, tough or bluff is a true or false question. And we came up with tough or bluff 12 years ago. Uh, I threw it out to the gang. I said, I want to do this thing called true or false, but I, I don't want to call it true or false. And, and uh, Berto came up. Uh, no, I said, um, well, uh, something bluff, you know, because we call false bluff because that's essentially what we're trying to do. And then Berto yeah. said, how about tougher bluff? Because he wanted to rhyme. Which and no I, <laughs> yeah, I immediately hated it, but it's stuck. But so here we are. <laughs> Tougher bluff, Berto. About 4% of people get no pleasure from music. Tougher bluff, Berto. 4%? 4% of people yeah. get no pleasure from music. Yeah, I've heard about this. Uh, I am going to go tough. And sadly, I mean, I feel bad for them. Yeah, it's tough. Do you know anyone who doesn't take pleasure that's, in that's, music? Well, okay. Not probably not clinically, but I, I have had conversations, very frustrating conversations with people where I'm like, one of them, I specifically remember this gal, we were at a, I think we were at the W or something. And I'm like, so are you like, do you listen to music? She's like, oh, you know, when I go dancing or whatever, I'm like, oh, uh, you know, like I'm huge into the Beatles. And she's like, I hate the Beatles. Like, you hate the Beatles. What do you mean you hate the Beatles? I thought you weren't into music. I know, but I hate the Beatles. Why do you hate the Beatles? It's just like, it's this kind of music that like is old and sugary and dumb. And I was, I mean, I was on the verge of tears and I was like, what have you, but you've heard, what have you heard in your mind? What does the Beatles sound like? And, you know, she couldn't give me any examples. She couldn't even remember any of the names. I could only hope that she was thinking of like the very early songs and it represented like the 50s, 60s stuff. But it was one of the most frustrating conversations. And in my mind, I'm like, she gets no enjoyment out yeah. of music. <laughs> yeah, I've had similar, kind of, I've heard similar things. I, I think younger people, uh, you know, they come from a different world. Uh, younger people, they were raised on a completely different aesthetic with pop yeah. music. And I think you and I were raised on a pop music aesthetic that uh, the Beatles was included in. And uh, I've heard some people refer to the Beatles music as children's music. <laughs> and and I find that to be one of the dumbest things. But when you think about some of their songs, absolutely. Right. Yellow and, Submarine. Yeah. Uh, Octopus's Garden. Like some of the most annoying Beatles songs, honestly, are, are those songs. <laughs> and I get that. And if that's all you've heard, then for sure. But uh, at the same time, the full catalog <laughs> of the Beatles, I, I would not characterize as children's music. The other thing is, is that if you grew up with hip hip hop and that was like your you know, 99% of the stuff you heard was either hip-hop or hip-hop influenced, then I'm just going to take a guess and think that uh, the Beatles or just anything outside of hip-hop will just sound, it'll just sound old and dumb and out of fashion and just not your thing. In the same way that uh, for some people who grew up before us, when they hear hip-hop, it sounds stupid to them. You know what I mean? Like you and I grew up right in between where we can both appreciate before and after hip-hop, you know? Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, I've met people who don't like and get no pleasure in music. In fact, you know, a lot of averages, there's people listening right now who might identify as one of those 4% people. 
It's essentially like, you know, one in 25 people, right? So the thing that you won't hear from them is they won't admit it because no one understands them, you know, and, and <laughs> they'll be, they'll be shy about it. But yeah, I've, 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 I think I've met one person like this and they just seemed, they either, they, they seem to either just, it, it's like nails on a chalkboard to them, a lot of music, or they don't get why other people like music so much. So it's, right. so it annoys them at other people. Or they have some kind of music dyslexia that when they hear music, it's all jumbled up or something. Mm. Anyway, tougher bluff, Berto. Even though teen marijuana use has been declining in recent years, it went up among teens in Washington state after legalization. Tougher bluff. Oh, interesting. So uh, there's the aspect of it having been declining. There's the aspect of it going up for teens in Washington state after legalization. Right, because that was the worry is like, well, if you make it legal, yeah, then, then it kids legal. are going to use pot and we can't legalize pot. And then the other people were saying, no, that's not going to happen. So this is to do with that. Yeah, I'm going to go bluff because I have a sense that, um, well, I'm going to go bluff because I think that it, it if it had been going in decline, unless that's the bluff, but if it had been going on decline already, I have some faith that the legalization aspect didn't necessarily slow down that trend, so I'm going to go bluff. It's tough. Uh, oh. Marijuana, teen marijuana use has been declining in recent years, and then when it became legalized among teenagers, sp- specifically tenth graders in Washington State, marijuana use increased by four percent be- wow. between 2013 and 2000. I guess it makes sense because if they legalized alcohol for teens, right? <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. In fact, I believe it increased for all age groups. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, many, be. many people are just like, well, if it's legal now, you know, let's go for it. That's true. Uh, tougher bluff. Getting revenge on someone can improve your mood. Tougher bluff. Getting revenge <laughs> on someone can improve uh, your improve mood. Improve your mood. Wow. Depending on the time window we're talking about, I suppose if... If you're really like in a bad mood day after day, like that person really crossed me. I suppose when you go and you, you know, paint their tires with little hearts that all of a sudden you'll have an afternoon of bliss. But I have a feeling that the next day you'll feel empty. So in the long run, I'm going to go bluff. It doesn't improve your mood. It's tough. Researchers asked people to write an essay. The researchers gave them a fake feedback from a fake person saying that the essay was terrible. So the researchers, you know, so the researchers say, Hey, write an essay. So you write an essay and then some, some reviewer writes on the essay. This is terrible. Afterwards, the participants were allowed to stick pins in a voodoo doll that represented this unkind reader. Uh, researchers measured participants' mood before and after they stuck pins in the voodoo doll and found that using the voodoo doll significantly improved participants' moods. I'm calling shenanigans. That's not the same as getting revenge. That's basically a placebo effect that has no, no actual consequences unless they happen to be in the minority that fully believes that that thing's going to do something. If they actually were inflicting harm in some way to the person, that's where I'm going to say that maybe they'll feel temporary relief, but then in the long run, they, they'll feel bad. So I'm 
calling shenanigans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the problem is, how do you devise a research study ethically that involves actually taking revenge on other human beings? That would be a hard thing to do. Uh, tougher bluff, Berto. Legalized same-sex marriage has decreased teen suicide rates. Tougher bluff. I'm going to go tough because if you were a teen who uh, identified uh, gay, bisexual, in some other way than than the uh, straight, and you felt that there were no op- no real options for a, a life together with someone and like all the benefits uh, legally and taxes and everything, and that you could be seen as a n- normal member of society, that that would be quite depressing. It could lead potentially some people to suicide. So by seeing that, oh, wait, I am normal. I can have a normal life. I feel like that might lift their self-feelings. And so, yeah, that's my yeah, that's, stance. It's true. It's tough. Tough, yeah. Uh, in the 32 states that passed same-sex marriage laws back in the day before it was legalized across the country, suicide attempts dropped 7% among all students Ooh. and 14% among those who identified as gay, lesbian, or bisexual. That's huge. And there were no significant change in suicide rates in states that didn't pass the same-sex marriage laws, which, of course, makes sense. And you're an immoral person if you do not support that on a variety of levels, not only for suicide rates, but also because it is a no-duh. Yeah, imagine if you're you're pro-life, you you would want... To be pro people not committing suicide, right? <laughs> yeah, well. Uh, tougher bluff, Berto. Physicians are more likely to prescribe antibiotics when they believe their parents, their parents, their patients expect it, even if they think the patient's infection is unlikely to be bacterial. Tougher bluff. So, yeah. so you have infections. Some are bacterial. Some are not. And if it's bacterial, then you, if there's evidence of bacterial infection, then you prescribe an antibiotic. But some infections. Don't have will not respond to an antibiotic, but so the question is: Physicians are more likely to prescribe antibiotics when they believe their patients expect it. Tougher bluff. Oh, I see. When they expect, they believe the patient expects that they will prescribe it. Right. That's an interesting one. I at first was thinking because I have experienced where I have had to tell my doctor, not my current doctor, thankfully, like, um, you know. What if I don't take the antibiotic since we're not sure like and then they they like backed off they're like well if if you don't want to take it it's probably okay but if you keep having these symptoms you might want to take it because I was like I don't think they, and I know that they overprescribe but in the case where the patient wants it or believes they should have it does it influence the doctor it shouldn't they should make their decision based, but I'm going to go tough it does influence their decision yeah absolutely it it is tough and oh. yes it is a problem that a doctor would change their treatment based on patient expectation rather yeah. than treating the patient for with the most evidence-based <laughs> uh, treatment protocol. Why'd you amputate their leg? Well, I didn't really need to, but they thought I should. I mean, there are <laughs> literal cases like that where oh, stuff like that happens where you would say, well, you wouldn't go that far. No, no, there's plenty of situations like that. That's terrible. Uh, Tougher bluff, Berto. Witnessed domestic violence as ch- children is associated with adult psychopathy, such as pathological lying and manipulation. Tougher bluff. What do you think? 
Witness uh, child abuse. Yeah. No, witness yeah. domestic violence. So you're a child. Oh, you, you witness violence. violence between the parents. That's associated with being a psychopath as an adult. I, I've, uh, uh, that's tough, but I mean, it's hard. Uh, yeah, but I am still going to go tough because I think that you probably end up having such a messed up sense of uh, boundaries and of um, right and wrong and you, yeah, I'm going to go tough. Yeah, it's tough. It's pretty obvious to me. Yeah. When you're abused or when you witness violence as a child, you're more likely to develop all sorts of things, including psychopathy. Tougher bluff, Berto. Coming up with a with a lie only takes point one one five seconds Lo- <laughs> longer than telling the truth. Sorry, coming up with a lie oh, I see. Okay. takes only point one seconds longer than telling the truth. Tougher bluff. Oh, that's a tougher question because because that's very sh- that's a very short amount of time. It's very short amount of time, and I I I would imagine. That it ha- it has big variance depending on the person. For example, but on average, you know, on average, yeah, on average. Uh, so in other words, the split decision that happens that I'm going to veer off and not say, "Wow, does it happen that fast?" Yeah, I guess so. Because the whole movie scene where the person's vacillating, I think if someone's going to lie, they lie. So I'm going to go tough. Yep, tough. Researchers wow. analyzed a bunch of studies and found that participants took an average of 115 milliseconds hmm. or 0.1 second longer to produce a lie than telling a truth. That's crazy. Uh, tougher bluff, Berto. People with anxiety or depression have been found to be twice as likely to have post-surgical wound complication. Tougher bluff. Ooh. Post-surgical oh, wound complication Anxiety, depression, more like twice as likely. Not, not twice just, as likely. Twice as likely to have post-surgical oh. wound complication. I am afraid it's tough because they're uh, they're having so many mental issues with it that they might even like not follow the instructions because they're so worried. They might bother it. They might, and then since your brain is not feeling well, it irritates everything. It inflames everything, and yet I'm going to give a hopeful bluff. Yeah, it's bluff. It's oh, 1.2 times. So it's, it's Oh, but it's still worse. <laughs> it's a worse, but not twice. But it's not twice, time. yes. Tougher bluff, Berto. Levels of cortisol, the stress hormone, are lowest in the morning. Tough or bluff? Yeah, at least that's my experience with it. When I wake up, especially after a good night's rest. So I'll, I'll say if you didn't sleep well or, or pull an all-nighter, that's different. But if you slept well, I'm going to say uh, tough because... Uh, you you wake up, you feel refreshed, and then towards the end of the day, everything's mounting, you're tired, so yes, lower in the morning, tough. Uh, it's bluff, it's the opposite, it's highest in the morning, really? and it decreases throughout the day. Yeah, the, the, wow. the reason, if I remember my biology, hmm. is that y- y- your body is uh, has evolved to stress yourself out to get you out of bed, that in order to wake up, uh, your body is flooded with a bunch of uh, yeah, stress hormones, you know, yeah. and, because we we don't want to equate stress hormone with negativity. Yeah, yeah. When when we're running a marathon or you're just running, or you're picking up your groceries and bringing them into the house, your body will use stress hormone to kind of get you going, and and to get you going in the yeah. morning, it needs that. So cortisol that makes sense. Will happen. In the I didn't morning. think about that. Yeah, because because the word stress. Sounds bad, but your body needs that stress. <laughs> yeah, our body uh, likes stress when we need yeah. it, just yeah. not 
in a constant state of stress. That's right. Uh, Tougher bluff. Married people have lower levels of cortisol, stress hormone, than single people do. Tougher bluff. Married people, lower cortisol. Right. I've seen those uh, studies. I'm sure we've done tougher bluffs about longevity. There seems to be some correlation to marriage and longevity, meaning positive cortisol. So I'm going to go, yeah, it's uh, lower levels of cortisol in married couples. Tough. It's tough. Uh, but it probably depends on the quality of the marriage, but on average, yes. Sure. People in relationships have mm-hmm. lower levels of stress hormone. Tougher bluff. Among LGBTQ teens, transgender girls, male to female, experience the greatest amount of abuse, child abuse, physical, sexual abuse, bullying, tough or bluff. So among LGBTQ, so you have lesbians, gays, bisexual, trans, queer teens, transgender girls experience the greatest amount of abuse, tough or bluff? When, uh, can, sorry, pardon my ignorance. A transgender girl, is that someone that used to be male who is now a girl or someone who was a girl who is now male? Someone who was born male. And, born male and, and is now a girl. Is a girl, yeah. Is a female. Okay, got it. Transgender girls experience the greatest level of uh, abuse. I could see that. Yes, I'm going to go tough. Yeah. And to be clear, I mean, born physically male in the way that yeah, we yeah. identify as physically male. Yeah. But uh, I'm going to go tough because I'm imagining that that has, uh, and I'm totally guessing here, but it's like, ooh, it's got even more taboos. Like, wait a minute, you were born a man and now you need to have this operation and and now you're a girl. And if I am, if I have my own mental problems where I'm attracted to, like, I'm just going to go tough. Yeah, it's tough for probably the reasons that you alluded to. For all the now, all the various different people are more prone to being victimized by abuse for stigma and all sorts of reasons. LGBTQ teenagers, but yes, the transgender girls are the most likely due to having all versions of oppression yeah. and stereotyping and prejudice piled onto them because uh, you're. If if you're a female to male transgender, if you're a transgender boy, at least you're now part of the a gender that has power. You know, it's like, yeah. well, of course you want to be a boy because boys are awesome. You know, but for a a boy to want, you know, for someone that looks like a boy to people to right. want to be a girl, it's just like, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, 90% of people, tougher bluff, 90% of people who know negative future events, oh, sorry, 90% of people want to know negative future events, such as how they're going to die, tougher bluff. Oh, it can't be 90%. I would do, I'm going to go bluff and I'm going to say it's like 40%. It's 10%. It is bluff. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, I mean, it's even lower than I thought. Yeah, 90% don't want to know how they're going to die and other negative psychological events. Uh, Tougher bluff, Berto. After getting in a car accident, playing Tetris can help reduce the risk of developing PTSD. Tougher bluff. After getting in a car accident, playing playing Tetris can help reduce the risk of developing PTSD. Tough or bluff. Tetris specifically. I'm sure there's other similar games. I like it. I mean, I'm going to go tough because... Tetris is a game where you have to pay really good attention. Like, you got to be super focused. And 
I guess, I mean, you could metaphorically think of the falling pieces as cars crashing, but at the same time, it's pretty divorced from the physical realities. And so it distracts you, keeps you focused on something else. It gives you a goal because you want to get better. So I'm going to go tough. It helps you. Yes, it is tough. Researchers tested the intervention on patients waiting in a hospital emergency room within six hours after being in a car accident. Participants who played Tetris reported 62% fewer intrusive memories in the week after the event. Yeah, That's awesome. I wish I would have known that when I had my uh, car crash in 1993 because I had a lot of PTSD of that. Yeah. Researchers hypothesized that concentrating on a game could help disrupt memory consolidation in the aftermath of a trauma. Yeah. I mean, it's just one study, so who knows, but it, it... does lend itself towards intervention. Uh, Tougher bluff, Berto. Compared to conservatives, liberals have more ability to recognize that one be- one's beliefs might be wrong. Tougher bluff. Compared to conservatives, liberals have more ability to recognize that one's beliefs might be wrong. Tougher bluff. Um, I haven't seen a study like that. So I- I'm going to go bluff on that one because I feel like the determinant factor for seeing if you're right or wrong uh, would probably have more to do with things like, um, uh, you know, sort of like your personality type or something. But anyways, I'm going to go bluff. Yeah, exactly. It's bluff. Researchers found no difference between liberals and conservatives in their ability to recognize that their beliefs might be wrong. And this is anecdotally makes sense to me. Uh, Everyone, regardless of political leanings, has a hard time evaluating their belief system. That's just that's just everybody. I do have a different hypothesis, though, but it has more to do with if people were raised uh, in a dogmatic belief st- system of any kind, I, and I don't have proof, but I, I would venture, I would bet that those folks might have a harder time sort of questioning their own beliefs. Yeah, 100%. All right, let's take a break. We get back. Let's do some more tougher bluffs. What do you say, Berto? Let's do it. Hey, deserving listeners, as you know, I'm constantly recommending that people go to therapy. We all need therapy from time to time. One of the options available that is definitely worth checking out is BetterHelp.com. So if you're looking for a therapist, I would give it a try by going to BetterHelp.com slash Kirk. Make sure you use the slash Kirk because you get 10% off your first month and it helps us out. I get a lot of emails from you saying that you're looking for a therapist. As you watch these videos, I know many of you have been motivated to find your own therapist, but I know it can be really hard to find a good one to work with. Like I said, one of the options available to try is betterhelp.com Kirk. And you should know that this service is available to clients worldwide, which is amazing. I've been told that you can start communicating with your therapist in under 24 hours. You can message with your counselor anytime. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. And I've been told that it's often less expensive than in-person therapy. So go to BetterHelp.com slash Kirk to get 10% off your first month of therapy today. So, Berto, I'm going to throw you a curveball. Do you have a gripe Ooh. of wrath? Do you have a gripe? Oh, a gripe of wrath. Oh, actually, I totally do. I okay. totally do. Okay, good. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So uh, this is the thing. We're all pulling in this pandemic together and everything's okay and blah, blah, blah. I have a couple relatives and I'm not going to name them. They're in Colombia and I love them. I mean, they're, they, they've always been great to me. 
So, I, I, you know, I mean them only the best. But they are like mask and pandemic deniers. And they invited my dad over for a get-together. And this, again, in Colombia. And my dad, first of all, my dad is old. He's got medical problems. And uh, he is a germaphobe. <laughs> he's, you know, he's got anxiety and stuff. And so he didn't want to go because this is an indoor get-together with like eight people or something, maskless. So he didn't want to go. But he went, and then as soon as he arrived, he was thinking, you know, maybe they're all going to sit a little apart. And instead, everyone in the typical Colombian fashion, hugging, kissing, close contact. And so my dad was relating this to me. I, oh, I could feel for him because I'm, you know, similar to him. But he's even more extreme. Like, if you think I'm a German, like, and so I was like, oh my gosh, he must have been going through so many bad feelings in his head as people are coming. And he, being my dad, who have you met, he is not afraid to draw a boundary in an awkward moment. So he did. <laughs> he had to say, no, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to be the Grinch who stole your Christmas right now. Uh, and then I'm, I wasn't there, but I'm sure it got sort of awkward. But then they also like, oh, that's him, you know, whatever. Uh, but I, I'm ripe of wrath because like, why? I, of course I want to see my family. What do you, of course I want to hug everyone. But why? Why go through like the ad, added stress and also force other people into that added stress? Even if it's your own belief that things are not, why impose that on other people? Uh yeah, it's a very strange thing that it's almost like if you can't see it, it doesn't exist. Or, well, I, I literally had a friend of a friend say this. This is early in the days of the lockdown that she was saying things like, well, you know, these these people are responsible people or, you know, these people are good people, essentially, right. as if to say like – their character meant they weren't infected with a microbe that doesn't care about your personality, you know? Right. So I just thought, like, how does that make any sense? I, that doesn't inspire any confidence. But, yeah, people, they just have a really hard time wrapping their head around how germs work, one. Yeah. And, two, uh, how to balance that with social pressure, essentially just peer pressure. You show up at a thing. I'm sure everyone is like not dying, uh, excuse the word <laughs> the usage, word <laughs> to be infected. But right. but it's like, well, I don't want to be that person who refuses to hug someone. That That's like yeah. one of the worst things you can do to a relative. Right. So I'm just going to hug. And now we have the worst pandemic of all time, much worse than it was back in in the spring, it is if ever there was a time when you were not supposed to do things and you're yeah. supposed to take all the precautions uh, around the world, it is now, aside from a few lucky communities, it is raging and people are dying at an unprecedented rate. And so, yeah, I just, yeah. that would just drive me crazy to hear about relatives doing that. I'm, I'm proud of my family. Uh, you know, I was a little bit worried, but uh, it turns out everyone in my immediate family, no one even questioned it. No one, no one said, "So, are we getting together for Thanksgiving? Are we getting get together for Christmas?" No one even brought it up. Everyone, and we are adamant get together people. Like this is the first Thanksgiving oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and Christmas time 
that I haven't spent hours with my family. Yeah, um, same. You know, yeah. So, well, you don't go to Bogota every year, right? Oh, not in Bogota, but even up here. Like as an example, actually, my um, so my mom has this very good friend, and she freaked my brother out because uh, what happens is the uh, every year for Thanksgiving, the my mom's friend has this huge gathering in her house, and it's lovely, and I go every year, and there are tons of people there and you know they're the age group that would be at most at risk really right. many of them with medical conditions stuff so of course they didn't do it right but when she was talking on the phone with my brother she as a joke but she's got this super dry sense of humor it's like oh no we had a lovely uh congregation we had like 25 people blah 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 and she said it totally straight never corrected the record so my brother was convinced that they had done that and he was horrified and so like i asked my mom i'm like mom i thought you said and my mom's like what no 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 that she was kidding no absolutely not like so but it's that kind of thing. We didn't get to do that. We certainly didn't get to do that. My mom throws a huge party on the 25th with my my brother. And, uh, you know, we invite her friends. And then my friend Paul comes over with his kids. Like, it's it's a big deal. In fact, this will be the first Christmas since 1990 that me and Paul don't exchange gifts in this very elaborate fashion. It's going to be... The tradition will be broken. Except it won't be because I'm sending him a digital Easter egg hunt to do. But still... And we're just going to, you know, grin and bear it because that's what you do. Right. That's what you do. And it'll be over at some point, and then we can go back to normal. Uh, tougher Bluff, Berto. Feeling lonely can make your cold worse. Tougher Bluff. Ah, I like this one. I have had bad colds, my friend. Not so much this last year. I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had a single cold. Oh, knock on wood. But anyways, um, yeah. Uh, when I've had a really bad cold, I have felt like the only thing was if there was someone, someone I can talk to, someone I can play a video game with, someone that might say a kind word to me. So being lonely would make me feel worse for sure. No, no. I'm gonna feeling go. lonely can make your cold symptoms worse. Yeah. I'm going to go tough. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. Uh, it actually... Wait, what do you think I said? I said feeling lonely could make me feel worse. <laughs> Yeah, but I thought you meant emotionally worse. Oh, no, no. I mean, literally worse. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, tougher bluff. Compared to religious people, non was it Was it tough? Was it tough? Yeah, it's tough. Okay. Yeah. Fe- uh, let's see. Expose them to cold. Mind over and, body. Uh, those who felt lonely uh, were no more likely to become sick, but lonely people reported significantly more, s- more severe symptoms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Uh, c- tougher bluff, Berto. Compared to religious people, non-religious people have more ability to recognize that one's belief might be wrong. So it's similar to the, the previous Yeah, one. okay. So that one, that's uh, tough. I actually, I'm going to go tough. And it's hard because I grew up religious, very religious, very religious. And I had friends that even were even more and wanted me to get even more and even in very, very cultish groups of subsets of the religion. And uh, when I was fully in it, uh, I couldn't see that I was wrong. Uh, I had these uh, like hours, like 10 hour long debates with people. I remember my friend Brian, I was trying to convince him that, that, uh, that he was wrong because he was an atheist. I was like, no, no, no. And I, 10 hour debate. And I always was like, and my dad's an atheist. I was like, one day I will convince my dad and I got to do it because his life depends on it. Blah, blah. Um, 
And I had debates about homosexuality when I was young in high school and stuff. I just, I, I'm going to go tough because you are trained from the moment you can barely even talk or read that, that you can't trust your senses. Faith is where it's at. Don't, you got to believe without seeing. And that's the end of the story. Yeah, it's bluff. Uh, researchers found no difference between religious and non-religious people and their ability to recognize that their beliefs might be wrong. I think that your hypothesis makes a lot of sense, but according to the data... It's wrong according to the data. Yeah, uh, which, you know, just really points to, I guess, this uh, conclusion that you can make, which is that the ability to determine right versus wrong or fact versus fiction is independent of your political leanings, independent of your religious leanings. Now, it's a separate question as to whether religion is wrong or atheism is wrong. You understand? It's just a oh, matter right. matter right, of, right. you know, a religious person, can they generally understand f- fact from fiction or can they generally evaluate their belief systems in a logical way? Or right. can, it could actually, yeah. Or can an atheist, does an, is an atheist better at evaluating, at being critical of their own beliefs, essentially? That's, that's the quality. Yeah. And according to the data, religious people are no worse or better than an atheist person. Liberals are no better or worse than a, than a conservative person. Maybe it's like some humans are better at seeing that their beliefs might be different, wrong, whatever. Some aren't. And... If they happen to be in a uh, cult or, or or a religion or something that they are trying to not be, maybe those people that have more ability to discern beliefs and things like that, maybe they're able to make a change better than the other types, but it, not because they were or were not in those belief systems. That's fascinating. I hadn't ever thought of it that it was not necessarily cause and effect, but rather, you know, like, it, you know, and like in my case, it took me till I was... 30 to change my perspective on things is that because i have a harder time seeing when my my beliefs are wrong maybe or maybe i was just good enough to change my beliefs who knows yeah and the thing i'll say generally is that people are very poor at challenging their own beliefs and they're very very good <laughs> at pointing out when other people are wrong. <laughs> we yeah. get, we're we're very very astute at pointing, you know, we're yeah. very sure of ourselves that other people are wrong. We have a really hard time looking at ourselves and saying this belief that I hold dear to me might have some problems. We are yep. very bad at that. Yep. Tougher bluff Berto, <laughs> looking surprised in a photo makes you look younger. Than if your face were smiling or just neutral, tougher bluff. Looking surprised oh, yeah. makes you look younger than if you were just smiling or looking neutral. I'm gonna go tough. Uh, when you're surprised, your eyes get bigger, your face might get thinner, <laughs> and um, and your mouth goes open like a baby's mouth. <laughs> I guess. Whereas when you smile, you got wrinkles. When you're sad, you got wrinkles. So I'm gonna go tough. Yeah, it's tough. It's a weird study and psychonomic <laughs> bulletin and review. And uh, instead of the duck pose, all the Instagrammers should be, should be doing surprise face. But I just want to alert everyone that as I was reading this tougher bluff, Birdo kept making this surprise face into the camera. 
I thought he was doing it for my benefit, and I'm like, you realize this is a this is an audio podcast, but then I realized no, he's looking at himself. He's like comparing. Yeah, I'm trying to decide. He, he did it like like literally eight times, and I'm I, still it, doing it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tougher bluff, Berto. Um Smiling in photos makes you look two years older. Smiling in photos makes you look two years older. Tougher bluff. Uh, that seems so specific. Ugh, I'm going to go bluff on that because um, I don't know. I I mean, I, I know what I said just now about wrinkles, but like I generally find that people, maybe it's just my disposition. When I see someone smiling in a photo, they look younger to me, but you know, whatever. But either way, I'm going to go bluff. Two years, what's that? No. Yeah, it's tough. On Is average, wow. on average, when you smile in a photo, you are looking two years older then, then you would be rated as if you weren't smiling. <laughs> uh, tougher bluff, watching TV while eating can help children eat less and maintain a healthy weight. Tougher bluff, watching TV no. while, while eating. Bluff. Oh my gosh, bluff. This is the story of my life. I've talked about this before. Um, I had this really unhealthy connection between food and television that was started uh, uh, when my mom left. And I developed this attachment where I would sit there late at night in front of the television, eating, eating to fill the void, watching TV to fill the void. That can't be healthy. Yeah, it's bluff. bluff. It's bluff. Having a strong dinner routine and not watching TV or other media during dinner can help children maintain a healthy weight. Uh, Let's see. Tough or bluff, Berto? Fathers behave the same with their toddlers regardless of the toddler's gender. Sorry. Fathers behave the same with their toddlers, regardless of the toddler's gender, tough or bluff. So we're talking very young children, yeah. you know, a, a year old, this kind of thing. I'm going to go bluff. I could imagine, I could imagine, par- uh, oh, did you say parents or fathers? No, you said fathers. Fathers, yeah. Yeah, fa- I could imagine fathers being like, ah, oh, the kid's got a, the kid. See, even I would say kid, even though it might be a girl or a boy, but I would mean boy. See, I'm already doing it. I'd say, like, the boy's got to get tough, you know? It's okay. Whereas I would imagine, like, oh, the little princess can't be bothered by humanity and, and her white dress king. So I'm going to go uh, bluff. Yeah, bluff. Exactly as you identified, the fathers were more rough with the boys and talked about more emotions with the girls. Tougher bluff, Berto. Disadvantaged teens who believe American society is unfair have a greater risk of low self-esteem and risky behaviors. Tougher bluff. Disadvantaged teens who believe American society is unfair have a greater risk. So it's not whether or not society is unfair. So they have a belief that American society is unfair. These teen, these disadvantaged teens have a greater risk of low self-esteem and risky behaviors. Tougher bluff. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen the movies. I've seen Stand and Deliver. I've seen Dangerous Minds. I've seen all the movies. And in those movies, it's clear that the disadvantaged teens who believe that, eh, what's the point anyway? Society doesn't care about us. Uh, so they ended up doing risky behavior. However... You've seen 16 Candles, and a lot of privileged white kids also of- <laughs> do a lot of risky things. So I'm going to go bluff. Yeah, it's bluff. Disadvantaged teens... Uh, see, uh, no, wait, uh, da, 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 wait, is it bluff? When lower class 
and minority teens understand the unfairness of American society, they tend to engage in less self-blaming, and thus they have higher self-esteem. Mm. So, you know, when you're a disadvantaged teen, so you're, you're disadvantaged and you're experiencing unfairness, and you study American society or you're told by a mentor or a teacher or something or a parent that, look, you're being treated unfairly, and here's why. Because American society sucks. Then... The kids have higher self-esteem and engage in less externalizing behaviors. That's fascinating because if you think about it, a lot of those shows I mentioned go the other direction. They're like, you can hey, do it. You can't blame society. You can't blame. You right. can do it. Right. Yeah, you might have a rough time at home, but you can do it. Whereas if if the show was you know more realistic, I guess they would be like, you're right. You are a disadvantaged teen, and and it is not fair. Right. And it's a the. And but here is the information that might help you. <laughs> right. And this runs counter to the, I don't know what you call it, the bad side of politics where they'll say that all of our problems today are due to the, uh, you know, libtards. PC culture. Yeah. Talking about constantly how black people are treated unfairly when they're treated just fine. And, and when you have this victim mentality, it creates people who are lazy and they just give up because society is unfair. And right here you we see... You can only be a slave if you want to be. Right. And right here we have a study showing that it's actually the opposite. Exactly. Uh, tougher bluff, Berto. Brain training games like Lumosity. Do you remember this? this uh, yeah. L- this luminosity, app? right? Lu- is it lumosity. Luminosity. Lumosity? I don't know. Uh, brain training games on your phone have been shown to increase cognitive performance. Tough or bluff? Hmm. I wish. I feel like I did a lot of that like 10 years ago. I was like taking IQ tests or not IQ tests exactly, but those fake IQ tests online, like, you know, improve your IQ, whatever. I would do those a lot because I was thinking like, I want to stave off Alzheimer's and things. Now, I do think that keeping your brain active, in fact, there are studies that show that higher education has a correlation with lower incidence of dementia and things. But I'm going to say that just playing those brain games doesn't necessarily increase your, I'm going to go bluff. It's tough. Uh, these oh. these apps do help your cognitive performance, but the prevailing consensus is that these games don't work any better than any other video game. So, oh. so if you play any video game, stimulate your brain. Is what yeah, you're <laughs> essentially, it's like you don't need to play a cognitive performance specific okay. video game. You can just literally play the dumbest. You can play, you know. Candy Crush, and that also increases your cognitive performance, yeah. That's surprising. Tough or bluff, regardless of your physical activity, if you think you're a couch potato, you could hurt your health. Tough or bluff. So regardless of how physically active you are, if you believe that you are a lazy couch potato, potato, this could hurt your health. Tough or bluff, Berto? You know what? I'm going to go tough. I, 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 I've, I'm a believer that if you and I've seen it in myself that if you if your brain tells you something, it's hard for you to convince yourself otherwise. Like I've seen this with anxiety and with other things. It's like if you're like, I'm not gonna do well in that thing. It's like yeah, you're gonna like when oh, perfect example. When I was playing in a band, early on especially, you know, not so much when you and I played, I was, was a lot better about this. But when I started playing out, man, I would be like, Okay, I know I'm gonna be super nervous. And I know that it's going to be trouble. And I know I'm going to have singing issues. So I'm going to have to like get everything right. And you know what would happen every time? I'd be super nervous and I would have singing issues. So, yeah, 
I'm going to say that uh, believing that you're a couch potato actually harms you physically, uh, physically in some way. Yeah, it's tough. Researchers yeah. found that people who believed that they were less physically active were up to 71% more likely to die during the survey. So not just like a, a, a little bit of a problem, but 71%, How much? 71% more likely to die. Now, you know, oh. the likelihood of dying during the, during this research study was say, you know, say it's 1%, but a 71 increase, 71% increase goes from 1% to 1.7. And this held true even after controlling for a participant's actual level of physical activity. Yeah, that's crazy. So it, it, now, what does this mean? Does this mean that if you're a couch potato, you just say, I'm not a couch potato? No. What it means is that uh, a lot of other things are probably coming into play, like your self-esteem or depression level. If if you have low self-esteem or you're depressed, you're more likely on a survey to say, "Yeah, I am a couch potato," even though yeah. you're you, you might not be categorized as such anyway. That's incredible. Uh, let's see. I'm, I'm, I got I got I have so many tougher bluffs, Berto. I've been so back. Just let's just finish the last few minutes here with just us rambling. So back in the so I've been doing tougher bluffs for twelve and a half years. And for uh, a while, it was mainly on the podcast. We would do Tougher Bluffs, right? Right, right. And as soon as I would read them on air, I'd delete them. And I would just say, okay, delete from this, this Word doc that I have. And over time, I would find myself wanting to come up with good Tougher Bluffs for some other purpose, like a best of episode or something like that. And so then I started uh, keeping them. So I have... 237 pages of tougher bluffs in this doc. Oh, wow. This Word document is 237 pages, font 11, by the way. Wow. Um, And uh, the other thing is, is when, so uh, back in the day, all I wanted to do was do the podcast, but eventually people would be like, you got to have a Facebook page. You got to have a website. You got to have, and I'm like, I don't want to have a website. I don't want to have Facebook. (laughs) It's, It's like annoying to me. Well, on the Facebook page, once I got it sort of up and running, I found that pretty much no one was going to our Facebook page. You know, this is early days of Facebook. And and so one of the things I thought up early on was like, well, what if I posted a tougher bluff on the Facebook page? And I thought, well, what do I call it? And I thought, well, what if I did it on every Tuesday and I called it Tuesday Tougher Bluff? So for probably nine years... Every yeah. freaking Tuesday, I have been posting a tougher bluff, and incredible. Uh, I have to keep this huge document because when I wake up Tuesday morning, I have to immediately post something. I don't have time to do a bunch of research and look up yeah. look up research articles. So it's actually well, just you don't want to duplicate, <laughs> right? And, and and so in this document, I have all these little demarcations saying like. This was you. So there's two. There's two designations. There's one that it says piss, P-I-S, which means I said it on the air, and then I have another one that just says F-B, which is Facebook, meaning I use it on Facebook. And um, so, and it's hard to come up with a good tougher bluff. Like if you read a research article, you can look at it and go like, how do I turn this into a snappy tougher bluff that's interesting? Like you can come up with a true or false question for anything, you know, true or false. My favorite color is green. Like no one cares <laughs> because it, they have nothing to grab onto. They're just like, they're just stabbing in the dark. You know what I mean? Okay, Honda, tougher bluff. John Leguizamo has appeared in over 
in over 76 films? Well, let's see. So this, this is good because, one, I love John Leguizamo. Two, I'm interested in the answer. Three, I have a little bit to grab onto because I've been following his career. Um, obviously, I, I'm not, I, I haven't seen over 76 films with him in it. But he, he's been working since he was a teenager, and he is now like in his like I think he's almost sixty years old. He might even be sixty, and he's been in movies like Moulin Rouge. He was in The Mandalorian, by the way, season two. Uh, he he's been in all sorts of stuff, and I can imagine, given his personality, that he would do at least two films a year. And he's not uh, he's not afraid to do smaller roles too. And he has a lot of range. You know, he can be like the hard cop. Or True, the, yeah. the goofy guy. He was in Romeo and Juliet with Leonardo, and he was even in Super Mario Brothers, the movie. <laughs> Interesting. So that that so as you give me that hint, that means it's like my God, if he's in all those things. So I'm going to go tough. Yes, more than seventy. You are so hundred percent wrong. It's bluff. It was over seventy five. Yeah. No. See, that's a, <laughs> that's a terrible tougher bluff. It's a Berto tougher. Bluff. Yeah, Berto <laughs> meant to do that. <laughs> so. And, you know, like earlier, I did a tougher bluff where I said, you're twice as likely to blah, blah, blah. And it was bluff. It was only 1.2. So, right. so I usually... good because it's... Yeah. yeah, you have to have the numerical difference enough so that it it isn't like, well, okay, you know, it, it feels bad that I got that wrong. Anyway. <laughs> um, well, what do you mean? So how many films has he done? 76? No, I, I was, I'm obviously being ridiculous because all the Wikipedia says is over 75, which, by the way, could still could, be over 76. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> I was giving the example of, like, the, the worst. Yeah. Like, uh, but it's a, it's a fun thing because I used to, as you know, when I used to come up with tougher bluffs at first, they literally were like that. Yeah. Well, me too. When I, when I first, you know, it, it's a really hard thing that I didn't realize. And, and I listen to other podcasts and they'll do stuff like this where they'll do like a, a trivia game. And coming up with, a, with a, the perfect set of questions, trivia questions, yeah. is actually a very learned art form that I feel like I have learned the hard way over 12 and a half years because you just see the look on people's faces yeah one when you ask a question that they're just completely not interested in or two when you give them the answer and they're they actually feel physically hurt that <sighs> that you got it wrong you know that they right. they're like oh well i don't know you know or if you ask a question where it's debatable like right. where you say something like like let's say you know back in the day we would come up with tougher bluff we'd say something like John Leguizamo has never been in a movie about spies. Oh, right. But that's debatable. <laughs> right. But it's like, but the person derived that from their just limited knowledge of John Leguizamo. And then when and you their say, own opinion. Yeah. Like and, and then when you say, you know, bluff or tough, the person's like, uh, it's tough. You know, um, as far as I know, he's never been in a spy movie. And you're just like. You, 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 it's a weird thing where you lose trust. Like when you lose trust yeah. for the game master, right. you now don't want to play anymore. You right, know right. what I mean? It's it's another, it's demoralizing to to play with someone like that. Yeah, another category because I think it, a lot of it is the opinion part. Because like I could say, uh, John Leguizamo is is one of the top three most important Colombians. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, according to it? who? I mean, right. Yeah. yeah. So, Berto, final word. Twenty twenty. This is probably the last time you're yep. gonna, you and I are gonna be on the podcast together for twenty twenty. I think we'll know. I don't know. Who knows? We, we might do a reaction on Monday or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but. But I don't know. It's it's a good possibility that yeah. this is the last time you and I are going to be. be talking on the air for 2020. Final word, 20, 2020, Umberto. Personally, this has been a year that's been a combination of amazing feelings and terrible, terrible things to deal with health-wise for me, health-wise for the world. Uh, being separated from my family, not being able to see my Colombian family, especially my 90-some-year-old grandparents as they've been iller and sicker and my grandma took a fall. I like, so mentally hard. And of course, you know, I'm preaching to the choir out there because I'm sure people have lost people and have, you know, and, and we also lost people in my family, not, not to the disease, but to other things. And uh, at the same time, man, it's, it's a gift to be alive and I'm here and, I get to enjoy moments and um, I'm working on on things that I care about. I enjoy doing this podcast with you and every time we do it, it's that's enjoyable and it fills my little meters up, which is great. Uh, I'm enjoying writing my book. You know, I'm finally, I'm finally at the point, you know, I st- started last year, but it really developed this year where I actually enjoy the process. I always saw the process as a chore, but I wanted to write, but I want that. Whereas now I actually enjoy it. Uh, so, so just finishing it, it will be like when we recorded a CD, the finishing will be its own reward. So, um, yeah, on the balance, as horrible as it's been, I'm still thankful, which is weird, but I'm still grateful for everything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I could really add anything unique to what you said, other than to say that today we just reached 200,000 subscribers on YouTube. Yikes, dude. <laughs> Which r- has a rhyming feature with 2020. Yeah, that's surreal. But yeah, it, t- this year has mostly sucked for just the reasons you said. And loneliness and demoralization, the rise of ridiculous conspiracy theories in the mainstream and and the fighting and, you know, just things that some need to happen, some don't. And it's, um, I just hope that when history looks back five, 10 years from now at, at the combo between 2020 and 2021, that 2021 is like this obvious, awesome year where (laughs) they're celebrating, you know, the difference between 1944 and 1945 where yeah. 44, it's unclear if the Allies are going to win the war. And then 45, you have the, you know, the winning of, of the war, uh, the Allies. But this acknowledgement of like, so many people have died. And let's rebuild. And let's right. try to learn. And what did we learn? And let's be good to each other. <laughs> Why? Because we deserve it. We really, really do. Or wait, I screwed that up. <laughs> oh, and, and, and you also. <laughs> it just couldn't end any better than that, Berto. 